0: right, let's do this. Are we ready? Let's pray before we jump in. Father, we love you. We are so in love with you, King Jesus, and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you this morning that you are Lord. You gave us your mighty Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of us, and He is here to teach us, to reveal Jesus to us, and to bring the Word of God to us in such a way that we get it, that we can connect the dots, and that we can actually start living by Your Word. So we thank you, sir, for today that you would bring revelation knowledge to us—a word right in season for where we're at in 2022. We. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. amen. Man, he's a good God. And aren't you thankful that you're not limited by what is said here or not said here? Aren't you like, think about that for a moment. Well, you're not limited. I need an answer on this. Well, did you know that in a service, the Spirit of God could be speaking directly to that situation? You're not limited to what we know or what we don't know, because there's a lot we don't know. But what we do know is that we have the Holy Spirit, and he is so faithful. He is good, and he will meet you right where you're at. And all God's people went, Yeah, okay, that sounds good. No, we went, hoorah. Yes, sir. That's not what I'm talking about. All right. Well, let's get into this. Hoorah. Thank you for my so I hear hoorah. Yeah, what? What? Hoorah, what? All right. First John chapter 5. Let's turn there. I'm gonna get here till you can quote it. We're gonna be here for a long time. All right, verse 1. It says this that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is God's spiritual child. When? Right now. So who's that? That's me. Who are you? I am God's child. And what has happened, and I've also been fathered by God himself, and everyone who loves Father God loves his children as well. Verse 2, this is how we can be sure that we love the children of God. That by believing, by having a passionate love for God and by obedience to his commands. True love for God means this, that I obey his commands. And again, his commands are not burdensome or they don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. Meaning this, every time God gives a command, which our command in the New Testament is to love one another. Did you know then he's fully equipped you and I with the love to do that and the grace to even love the people that you have a hard time loving? You can do it. How do I do that? I tap in looking, okay, God, you told me to do this. So obviously, the grace to do that now, you're going to give me. So, Lord, I ask you, I want to love that person. You can start saying that. Say it. I want to love that person. Now, don't look around. Just This is between you and the Lord. Man, I want to love that person. <laughs> no, I just keep it between you guys. Verse 4, now he says, you see, every child of God, again, who is the children of God? Those that believe... That Jesus is the Messiah. So you can't just say and again. You hear that a lot in the world that we're living. In, and oh, we're all just God's children. No, we ain't. Sorry, that's not good English, but we aren't. We are not, period. <laughs> Who is the child of God? Those that believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So the moment you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you became a child of God. And every child of God, according to the word of God, it says that overcomes this world. For our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. So who are the world conquerors defeating its power? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So believing that Jesus is the Son of God, what did it do for you and I? Two things. Number one is this. It, believing Jesus is the Son of God makes you a world overcomer. So you can wake up every morning and say, I am a world overcomer. Why don't you say that this morning? I am a world overcomer. How can you say that? Because I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So I've been made this way. This is who I am. I've been made that way. I didn't try to stir it up to be a conqueror. That's who just I am by me, just believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Secondly, now, believing that Jesus is the Son of God gave me an invitation or gave me a seat at a victorious table that God operates from. So not only am I just now a world overcomer, now he's actually given me a position at this seat to boldly declare and to operate now as a world overcomer. So again, what we're doing over the course of this time is we're understanding how do victorious people act? How do they live? What's their lifestyle? How do they think? How do they talk? How do they act? Because when you go to the victorious table, it is way different than operating even from a religious table. Religion blows. It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. You try to do, 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 do. It doesn't ever work. Instead, come to the victorious table and see what Jesus has already done. Religion, you're still earning and working your way up to see and to experience the goodness of God in your life. When you take a seat at this victorious table by faith in what Jesus has done, you see it. It's a great place to be. It's a finished work. Now, in the Word of God, go back to verse 4 there for a sec, guys. First John chapter 5, verse 4. It actually gives us the key or it shows us how the victorious live victoriously. Right now, just because I'm sitting at this table doesn't mean that victory is automatic. I got to learn how the victorious operate. So verse four again, it says, every child of God overcomes the world. And then he goes a little bit deeper and he says, for our faith, say it, "my my faith. What is your faith? It is the tool or the key for victorious power that triumphs over the world. It's to see the manifestation of the victory that Jesus has already accomplished. To see it in my life is I have to use the tool called faith. F-A-I-T-H. It's faith. So faith is not just a belief system. Faith is not just, you know, Christianity. Faith is a tool God gave us, Romans 12.3 says, that you've been dealt the measure of the God kind of faith. So when you drive to the mountains, anybody enjoy a good mountain once in a while? You drive over to those mountains, you can actually go and say... Man, I've been dealt a measure of faith that created that. How did God create the worlds? How did he create all those stars out there? He did it by faith. And he's given you and I a measure of this God kind of faith. Now, we are here to develop it. We're here to grow it. We're here to strengthen it through the word. But you and I have been dealt that same measure. We got a part of what God has. He knows how to use it. He builds planets. He knows how to do all these things. We're learning how to operate in it because that's how the victorious operate. Capish? All right. Now, again, so again, when you see in Hebrews chapter 11, don't turn there, but I'd encourage you to read it. But in Hebrews chapter 11, it shows us the key in action from all these Old Testament men and women of God. 25 times you find in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, 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 by faith. And 15 more times you see by faith by faith, Noah, by faith, Moses, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Sarah, by faith, Rahab. (laughs) And it goes on the list, by faith, by faith, David, by faith, Samson, by faith, Gideon, by faith, all these men and women of God use their faith. And what did they do? They overcame all the situations or the problems that would have come their way. Abraham conceived by faith, or he didn't conceive, he became a father of many nations, but he saw that in his heart. He conceived the dream of God by faith, even being dead, naturally speaking, a hundred years old, having a baby with a wife that's 90. Anybody 90 in here looking to get pregnant? Any? <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll just. No hands went up. Okay. But by faith, she did it. Woo! Moving right along. Now again, remember, in this new covenant that we are living in, we have to develop this mindset that we are never going from defeat to victory. In this new covenant, we have to have this mindset that I am victorious now. Not one day when I'm, you know, no longer in sin or one day no longer in this addiction or no longer in this sickness or in this financial struggle. I am victorious now because according to the word of God, God leads us from victory to victory. So you're not looking to attain to finally get to a seat at this table and go, okay, God, teach me. You're already at the victorious table. Now we're learning to act like it. I love the way the Message Bible says it in Colossians chapter 3. If you then are interested or want to live out this resurrection life, he actually says, act like it. So what does that mean? I got to get away from this religious table. I got to get away from just this pity party. It does not work. Start acting like what? Like a victorious one in Christ Jesus. So do I think I'm going to get delivered? No, I don't think I'm going to get delivered. I know I already am. Do I think I'm going to receive healing in my body? No, I don't think I'm ever going to be healed. I already am healed. So it's a completely right there. This is, the, this is a lot where the split off comes of. Having these two different mindsets is different. And why is it important that we have or take this position? Because the position of it's already a finished work means you and I, when we operate from this victorious table and saying, I already have the victory, I already am victorious, no matter what I may be facing in my life. It means that you are putting faith in what Jesus has already accomplished. That's why we operate this way. That's why we look at it. So again, what Jesus did is a finished work. It's a big deal to us because no longer am I trying to attain. No longer am I trying to get healing. No longer am I trying to get delivered. I already am. Come on, say it with me. I already got it. Oh, God, I just want you to heal me. God's already said, I already did that 2,000 years ago. When you read the word of God, 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes, you were healed. What is that? Past tense? Isaiah says the same thing. We were healed. What kind of tense is he talking about? God's already saying, I already did all that. So now what are we learning? We're learning how to operate from this table. And rather than trying to get healing or get victory in any area, now I'm releasing what God has already done from this table. That's the key. Now Satan wants you and I to be ignorant in this area. And he will do everything he can to convince you and I that we got to earn it. But man, thank God we don't have to earn anything. It's already been done. Come on, say it. It's already done. Some of you got to get this. It's already done. The prosperity God has for me, it's already done. So now what do I got to do? I have got to learn the ways of the victorious and start really hearing, okay, God, what do I do in this situation? Because he will always lead you and I into victory, always. He doesn't know how to lead you into defeat. So that is a good king to follow. Amen. Amen. So now, what do the victorious at this table, what do they have in common? And of course, we said in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, by faith, by faith. And we're going to eventually get there. But all, how do we get to this point of operating and living by faith that the word of God finds it? So when you see in the Bible, anytime the scripture mentions anything, we ought to pay attention to it. Correct? But when you see it four times the same verse, four times throughout the word of God, Man, that should just be sirens. That alert that you get on your phone that they use for whatever type of emergency acts that are out there. This should be going off. All of a sudden you read in Habakkuk 2.4. You see it in Galatians 3.11. You see it in Romans 1.17. You see it in Hebrews 10.38. What's it saying? The just shall live by faith. Say with me. The just shall live by faith. That's not just a suggestion. That's not something we do on Sundays. This is a lifestyle that the victorious live by. This is how they did it. Well, I don't want to do it that way. Okay, have fun over there. But this is how they do it. So we've got to submit and say, okay, Lord, you are smarter than me. And now work with him. But before we get to that place, we have got to see what some of these heroes of faith, what these victorious ones did in order to really start seeing it. And here's the first thing we're going to talk about today. Is that what do the victorious have in common? They have a passion to embrace and walk in the truth. Cricket, cricket, okay? I was waiting for a few people to take a lap and stuff. And yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Look at this in 3 John chapter 1, verse 4. But what is the common denominator? So again, who's seated at this table? Those that believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, correct? All right, so we're sitting at this table. King Jesus is at the head of the table. And to your left, you got Abraham. To your right, you got Noah. And you're going, whoa. Dude, across from you is Sarah. Go, Whoa. How did you have a baby yet? Wow! And you're looking at all these people, what do they have in common? What's the con- common denominator of their life? Is that they desired and had a passion to live by truth. I got a little bit more excited on my own, but okay I'll... <laughs> Now let's look at this. Third John chapter one, verse four. It says this, "It is the greatest joy of my life. Who's speaking? I say John, but who's speaking through John? The Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God, through the Apostle John, is saying what? It is the greatest joy of my life to hear that my children are consistently, say with me, consistently living their lives in the ways of truth. So what gets what gets God pleasure? That his kids live in truth. Now there is not a problem. In the human existence, there is not an issue that the human mind could even think of that the word of God does not answer. Do we believe that? I mean, we, we sing about it, like nothing takes God back. and all, Could you ever imagine all of a sudden, you know, what's going on in the world? God goes, oh, man, I didn't see that coming. He's never taken off guard. Like, don't just hear that. Think about that. Nothing throws him off. All right. Now, now the next sentence I want to say... and. This may rub you the wrong way, but enjoy the rub down. Here it is. <laughs> there is no such thing as my truth. <gasps> There's no such thing. There may be your experience, but even that, truth always trumps experience, always. So I'm going to have to bring this reality out, and I have to acknowledge for my own self, if I'm not doing things in any area of my life, with relationships, with how I'm dealing financially, how I'm doing things ministry-wise, how I'm thinking, if I don't do things God's way, I am wrong. Oh man, really? Yeah. All right, let's get into this a little bit. In the world today, what are people living by? My truth. And the problem with my truth is truth is fluid. Right? It wouldn't even really call the truth. It actually changes by situation. This circumstance, well, you know, if I was in this part of the country, I'd do it like this. Well, if I was in another continent, I, I would probably do it this way. There's no such thing. There is the truth and the truth only. There maybe you may have had some experiences that were, you know, rocked or kind of, you know, shook you up a little bit or whoa what was all this about but you always have to bring my experience and line it up with your word because a lot of time what we're seeing people take my experience and they make it doctrine and doesn't line up with scripture at all yeah but this is what so and this happened to so and so they prayed and God didn't do nothing for them so that sometimes he heals sometimes he doesn't comes from hell you don't find that anywhere in scripture Well, that was my truth. That's just, that's my experience. Therefore, it's my truth. No such thing. And if you keep going down that path, you are getting veered off and delusion is your destiny. Now, what we have to do is constantly bring everything back and bring it to the word of God. So if I'm not doing things right in a relationship, I'm wrong. But you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did to me. If I'm not going by the word, I'm wrong. So what's the standard? The word. Now, again, we're talking about this victorious table. Right? How do they all operate? I'm sure Noah probably had a few conversations with God. Sorry, God, a a flood? Can you say that again? How do you spell a a fluid? A flood? It says that it's never even happened before. There never even rain come from the sky yet. And God says, there's a flood coming. What? A a flood? what, what, What is it? What do you call a flood? What is a flood, God? I'm sure they had lots of conversations, and for 120 years he preached: floods coming, floods coming. What's a flood? I don't know, but it's coming. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Get ready, get ready. Get in the boat, get in the boat, get in the boat, get in the boat. Because a flood's coming. What's a flood? (laughs) Lots of water from the sky. They probably think, you're nuts. Maybe, but a flood's coming. And sure enough, after that, flood came. So he did that how? By faith. He heard it from the word of God. But again, going all back to the very foundations, even when you hear by faith, hear this, they wanted to live their lives according to truth. Okay, Romans 1.18, I don't have this on the screen, but write these, actually read Romans 1, it'll really bless you. It says this, the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth and keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. So any time that you see from people in business, in education, in entertainment, in government, even in ministry, when they push God out, they make themselves to be God. That's dangerous. That is completely dangerous. So that's what you're constantly seeing now is that we are pushing God so much out. The world system I'm talking about. They're pushing, they're pushing. And sadly, some churches are doing the same thing. Pushing, pushing him out, pushing him out. Why? Just to adopt to the culture that's going on today. Dangerous thing to do. Why? Because what happens? You make yourself then to be God. I have the answers. I know what needs to be done. You don't. Humanity doesn't. Government doesn't. Church leaders don't. Unless you are submitted to the hand of God, we know and we have nothing. Okay. And then Romans one twenty-five it says it like this. Instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. And that's clearly what we're seeing today. In fact, in the end times, Jesus said in Matthew 24, and Paul said in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, that in the last days, before you talk about you know, wars and rumors of wars and quakes and famine and all those things, it actually lists off, let no man deceive you. So the greatest thing that we're going to see as the end times, as we get further and further along into this, we're going to see a worldwide, to a degree we already have, a worldwide delusion. And that's what we're seeing. So how do I live a life? Well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to live a delus- delusional life. What do I got to do? Stay close to the word of God. The word of God will keep you on the straight and narrow. It'll keep you sane. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Now, and that's why God, again, takes no greater delight than to see that his children are walking in the truth. And we could say walking according to his word. This thrills him. Any parent in here are just thrilled when your children live by what you tell them to. Amen. Hey, son, man, I, the kid, this, is, this is, if you keep going down this way, this is like the way I've talked to my son. This, this will go down Spank Avenue. If you, <laughs> if you choose this, you got this way and you got that way. Now, son, like this is the same way what God did in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Right? I've said before you, Spank Avenue and life. Choose life. Don't go down that way. And ultimately, it's not just Spank Avenue that's the problem. The ultimate destination to that is death. If you get away from the Word of God in any kind of way, well, I'm just thinking on my own. No, 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 no. There's no such thing as God's thoughts, devil's thoughts, and just me. No such thing. You are either being controlled by one or the other. No human being has their own thought that's beyond the spiritual realm that we're living in. Impossible. Impossible. So who is guiding and who's leading your thought life? Man, anyways, y'all are listening so good, this just keeps rolling out. So now, again, all of us humans, Christians, people of the world, we all need an absolute truth that we can live by. Or we could say it like this, who or what is calling the shots in your life? When a relationship goes sour, marriages, children, family, whatever it is, if it goes off, what calls the shots? Feelings, emotions, or the word. Now, again, we're talking about this victorious table because He will lead us in victory. I have got to stay on the word's side always. Why? To see the victory. You can't say, Oh, God, I'm just praying for victory, praying for victory, and go along, do whatever I want to do. He leads me to victory. So, what do I got to do? Sit at the table. Lord, what do I need to do in this particular situation? Let Him lead you to it now. What He'll do? He'll bring you to the Word. Will it always make sense? No, not always. But what do you do? You stick with the Word. Something my mama always told me, do the Bible. Just do it. All right, now. And as believers, we have our absolute truth, and aren't you thankful that God gave us the Word of God? This is so precious. We actually have, in this earth, a Bible. And part of it, I believe this, that what we've entered in over the last two years, for believers that have heeded the call to the, a closer intimacy with God, it, I believe there's a revival of the Bible that is coming back into the churches. Where people, rather than just looking for the next cool thing, or looking to feel goosebumps, or looking to feel, I'm looking for the spectacular. Listen, the spectacular is on your lap. This doesn't contain the elements of what God is like. This is Him. And as long as we look for experience over the word of God, we will be delusional regularly. We've got to, everything's got to be rooted and grounded in this. Not in an experience, not in a worship song, not in a worship band, not in some famous preacher that you may like. It is in the word of God. And when my life is fixed and fashioned on this word, I cannot be led astray. All of a sudden you'll be listening to music, you go, huh, that doesn't sound very scriptural because it probably is not. Because you got maybe some guy that's singing about an emotion or a situation or circumstance that he had, and he sang about it. Doesn't mean it's Bible. Just because you heard it on Shine 90.5 doesn't make a Christian. Ooh, did I just go there? I did. I really did. My bad. No, Shine's great. But listen, you got to listen to the things that are being read or sung and spoken. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, sometimes God gives and sometimes He takes away. Sometimes God makes you sick to teach you something. All of a sudden, you're sitting at the Victoria Stable. You look over at Abraham. You look over at Manoah and go, that, that, I don't see that. And they say, I don't see it either. So what do you got to do? <whistles> Kick it out. God bless them. We love them. But it's just, I can't listen to that garbage anymore. I am going way out of here. Okay. Now, <laughs> you'll never have to wonder if God's word is true because it is a forever word sealed by the blood of Jesus. I've fallen more and more in love with this scripture in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. I'm sure you could all quote it before it goes on the screen. What is it? Oh, this is embarrassing, isn't it? And then you see, oh, yeah, I knew that one. Good, good. I'm glad you saw that. But it says, Jesus, who is he? The anointed one is always the same. Come on, say it with me. Jesus, the anointed one is always the same. When? Yesterday, today, and forever. His word is the same. When? Yesterday, today, and forever. If you look it up, the Aramaic actually said he is eternally changeless. So I don't know. I've been, I was just meditating on this yesterday and I just went, oh, I can rest in that. Because what's in the world today? It's COVID yesterday. It's crazy beast tomorrow. It's a war in the Europe. What are you supposed to live off of? That's why everybody's truth is whoop, whoop, whoop. You know what everybody's looking for? Identity. COVID became a religion. People are looking for identification. What do I identify with? They're looking for something. And that's why we've got to run to the one, the anointed one, who never changes. My identity never changes. My victory at this table never changes. Why? Because Jesus never changes. That's the good news. Is that no matter what comes my way, I can always run back to this table and go, Oh, it's it's consistent here. Okay. What is everybody looking for? Something steady in their life. Some consistent, something that I can stand on and go, it's not going to shake. Well, thank God we got Jesus. And guess what? It's a sure foundation and it cannot be shaken. So what do we do? I'm hungry for truth. I desire truth above all things. Why? Because truth never changes. No matter what some, you know, really high up person says, it never changes. Thank you, Jesus. Look at this. I'm going to just give you a couple verses. And uh, Psalm 119, if anybody can memorize Psalm 119, I will give you 50 bucks. (laughs) Now, I'm saying all of it, right? So Psalm 119, let's look at verses 89 through 96. And you got to memorize it in the Amplified. (laughs) And you got to book a three-hour meeting with me in advance, okay. (laughs) Okay, I'll make it to 75, make it worth your time, Okay. Verse 89, it says, standing firm. Now, I want you to hear these words. Standing firm in the heavens and fastened to eternity is the word of God. Oh, man. Keep going. It says, your faithfulness flows from one generation to the next. All that you created sits firmly in place to testify of you. This goes right along with Romans chapter 1 and Psalm 19. Because what is Psalm 19? It really is the, it's the unspoken gospel being preached. You can wake up every single day and rather than worshiping the creation, worship the creator and looking at all these things, the sun rises every single day. Amen. And then it sets every single evening. There must be something. Like, think about the power that is to hold all that. Wow. All that you created stands firmly as placed to testify of you. Verse 91, by your decree... By your word, everything stands at attention, for all that you have made serves you. Because your words are my... Now, notice again, this is David that's writing this psalm. Because, look, look again, think about this table here for a moment. Was David, did he see victory in his life? Absolutely. He was the only Old Testament... Well, not the only, but he was one of the major Old Testament... Prophets, priests, king, that he really actually tapped in into the age that we're living in called grace. And he pulled grace in to his personal situation. And rather than being killed for taking Bathsheba as his wife, he experienced the grace of God. Wow. So notice, when you hear these words, these aren't just, you know, some kind of, you know, cute little song that you can make out. This is from a victorious place. Because your words are my deepest delight. More than watching ESPN. More than doing anything out there that may be cool, naturally speaking, your words are my deepest delight. This is what he stirred up on the inside of himself. Nobody just starts off and I'm just so hungry for God all the time. You got to stir it up. David knew how to stir it up. And so he said, I didn't give up when all else was lost. Wow. And especially in the culture that we're living in today, where things are just, seems like everything's losing, everything's going down, when his word becomes my delight, I ain't quitting, I ain't stopping. I just keep going, and in fact, I want to bring everybody I can with me when you see how good he is. Verse 93, I can never forget the profound revelations that you've taught me, for they have kept me alive. What keeps you alive? The revelation of the word of God. Quick little side note, what's the difference between Peter and Judas? They both denied him. They both, you know, said, we we don't know him, I don't know him. Left the Lord. What's the difference? Peter had revelation knowledge. We find that in Matthew 16. Who was he that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God? Why did Judas hung himself? He had remorse. He felt bad about it, but he didn't have that deep revelation that Jesus was the Christ. That's a major difference. So, what is it for you and I? What's going to keep you sane as we go forward? The revelations that the Lord is going to teach you from His Word. Oh. So, what is it? It's the deepest delight. For they have kept me alive more than once. Verse 94, Lord, I'm all yours, and you are my Savior. I have sought to live my life pleasing to you. Even though evil men wait in ambush to kill me, I will set my heart before you to understand more of your ways. (laughs) So (laughs) are you seeing this? People are waiting to kill you. And what are you doing? What am I doing? I'm setting my heart not to kill them back or try to get them first. I'm looking to understand more of your ways. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. I know. When you sit at this victorious table and you start understanding the ways of God. Remember there's times where they wanted to kill Jesus. They try to throw him off the cliff. You read that, I believe, in John chapter 8, near the end of the chapter. And it says while they were trying to push him off the cliff, all of a sudden he walked right through them. Where did he go? Where did he go? In light, he just got swallowed up in light and just walked right away from them. You're protected. Verse 96, I've learned that there is nothing perfect in this imperfect world except your word. For they bring such fantastic freedom into my life. Look at this verse 104, and I'm going to just skim down a little bit. It says this, for your truth is the source of my understanding. Not the falsehoods of those who don't know you. What is that saying? I'm putting more weight on the Word than any high-skilled professional. No matter how many PhDs, degrees, all of those things that somebody may have, that is not my source of understanding. It will never be my source of understanding. Why? Because the human understanding, apart from God, is limited. We can only see this high. But when you get into the Word of God... Ooh, you see it at a totally different level. What are you seeing from? You're seeing from victorious level. When you start operating from this, it's a whole different ballgame up here. you looking, oh, this is great up here. Yeah, stay there. Stay there. How do I do that? Don't let the falses of those who don't know you be the source of my understanding. Well, I'm going to just check out what Facebook has to say. CNN, that's a good place to get my understanding. Fox News, that's where I'm going to get it. Great. It's going to be very limited. Instead, what am I going to do? I'm going to look for my source is your word. Yeah. And not only this, but he says, the falsehoods of those who don't know you, I despise it. Yeah. That's, that's strong. Yeah. Okay, verse 105. He says, truth, shining light, guides me in my choices and my decisions. The revelation of your word makes the pathway clear. Oh, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Get in the Word. Yeah. yeah, but I need to know if I'm supposed to go to A or B. Get in the Word. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Is he going to tell me? Yes. And I'll show you to that in a sec. Last verse is 160. Anybody want to memorize these verses yet? They're good. They're just showing about a hungry guy that wants God. It says, the sum total of all your words adds up to Absolute truth and every one of your righteous decrees is everlasting. Alright. Right. Next verse here. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm just giving you a lot of scriptures because in order to be scriptural, what do you need? Okay, <laughs> just making sure we're clear on that. Second Timothy chapter 3. Look at this. All scripture. How much of it? All, All of it is God inspired and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, I love this. God uses his word. God uses his word. Say it with me. God uses his word to do what? To prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. Man. You know, a lot of times what we have you know, sometimes problems or issues in church is sometimes we think that we're fully mature, but because we haven't been in the word, we're underprepared. So what's the only way that until I make the decision that God's word is my final authority, I will continue to experience an up and down life. Until what? Until I make a quality decision. It's not, oh God, keep me stable. That is not going to work. Until I make a quality decision that God's word is my final authority, I will live like this. Yeah, everything's great. And when things are bad, oh, man, things are bad. i was just, Lord, I'm just praying for stability. I'm just praying that everything will just be okay. Not going to happen. Until when? Until I make a decision that this is the final authority in my word. Sorry, in my life, not in my word, in my life. Again, this victorious table, you look at all these men and women of God. How did you live this life of faith? How did you do all these things? How did you see victory in all these areas? We craved truth. Therefore, God's word was the foundation for everything we did. That seems a little extreme. Yeah, but victorious. (laughs) What we call extreme, the victorious table calls normal. Okay, moving on. Now... You know, let me just read you one of the verses. I don't have this on screen, but turn to James chapter 1. I just, I have a moment to read this to you. But as again, as as long as I keep allowing other voices, including my own personal opinions, to have an equal or higher voice in my life, I will live unstable. So God's word trumps all. So look at James chapter 1 here for a moment. I want to read this to you. In verse uh, 6, it says, The ambivalent person believes one minute and doubts the next, being undecided, now listen to this, being undecided makes you become like the rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. When you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in a condition like that? The answer is no. So now, how do I live a stable life? The Word of God, when I make a decision that the Word of God is my final authority, I will live a stable life because the Word is the great stabilizer. It keeps you steady. It keeps you consistent. No matter what the times are in the culture, no matter how crazy it is, and the darker as we go on into this, listen, it's supposed to get darker and darker. Nowhere in the Word of God do you find that the world gets brighter and brighter. It says the church gets brighter and brighter. And how does that come? Through revelation knowledge of the word. That's Proverbs 3.18. But what happens in the world? It's supposed to get darker and darker. So what are you supposed to expect? What am I supposed to do? Get steady. Stay close because the word will stabilize you no matter what comes out in the world. All of wars. And the psalmist said this. A thousand may fall at your right. Ten thousand may fall on your left. But it shall not come near you. That's victorious talk. The whole country could go into a war. And guess what? We would live a consistent and steady life still. Okay. Glad I got all your amens on that. Now, why is making this decision so crucial in my life? Other than living a stabilized life, living consistently. But God works with his word. My access to God is his word. Think about this. What's God's access to you? It's His Word. So if there's no word in our relationship, there's no access. His access to me is the Word. My access to Him is the Word. How do you, how do you know and believe what you believe? Unless you got it from the Word of God, it's trash, but other we have is the Word. All right, now, Jeremiah 1.12. I'm going to just give you, again, scriptures to show you. Jeremiah 1, 12, in the latter part of it, it says, I am alert. This is God speaking to Jeremiah. I am alert and I am active. What is he watching? He's watching over his word to perform it. He's not watching and looking over what I think about a situation to perform it. He's watching over his word. What does God perform? God performs his word. So when I get in light on this victorious table and start proclaiming and start doing this word, guess what? He's going to fully back me up. And I have the guarantee and the confidence that he will because he said he would do his word. God is not obligated to do my opinion. God is not obligated to do what I think he should be doing. God is obligated to his word. So when I'm committed to the word to do it, guess what? Now he has to do the word of God through my life. Yo, that was a break-free statement right there for somebody. I'm looking to find, God, just things aren't making sense. Are you doing the word? Are you understanding his ways in it? Because if I'm not doing the things, the, the things in my life according to his ways, I am wrong. Even though I may feel 100% right, you are 110% wrong. So what do I got to do? I got to get in line with scripture. I got to get in line with word. Why? So that God can move on my behalf. Doesn't anybody want that? I want that more than me and my opinions thinking I'm 100% right. Look at Isaiah 55. He says this, the rain and the snow. Again, talking about God's access to you and I. The rain and the snow, they come down from the heavens and they stay on the ground to water the earth. Y'all downstairs, there it is. Thank you. They caused the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry, right? We know this. We see that the rain, right? Springtime rain. It's good for the crops. Now look at this verse 11. It is the same with my word. What's the same? I send it out and it will always produce fruit. Well, I'm not seeing it happen. Are you doing it? Are you, or first of all, are you in in this place of making a decision? The word of God is the final foundation, the final word and authority in my life. Because if I haven't made that decision yet, I won't see this come to play in my life. So I have to make this decision. The word of God always produces fruit. And God said, it will always accomplish all that I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere that I send it. So right here in Red Deer, guess what? God is watching over his word to perform it in his kids' lives. Every good dad would do that. (laughs) Now, moving on here for a moment. Victorious people, again, as we said, they embrace truth. And because they've embraced truth, the truth makes them free. So at this victorious table, all you have to focus on is embracing the truth. That I'm going to take God's thinking, I'm going to understand God's ways, and I'm going to adopt that as my own, and in return... I will be set free. So many times people are looking for freedom. And listen, thank God. Hey, we got freedom session. It's great. It's wonderful. But even better than all that is the word. And if I just think I can just go through a program or I can just do these steps or I can just listen to a couple of good counselors apart from doing and listening and getting into the word of God, I may experience temporary freedom, but I'm not totally set free. The Word of God is the only place for freedom. And until we make that decision, nothing's going to change. Oh, I may be free for a year or two, but all of a sudden, guess what happens? Those same things keep creeping back up again. What's going on? What's going on? The Word of God is the only source. Can you pray? Yeah, we'll we'll pray, but what are you doing about the Word? What have you gotten into? What is God speaking to you from His Word? Oh, I don't know. Then I can't pray. Because what's going to happen is if I pray... Nothing's going to happen. And now we start questioning, well, I wonder if prayer works. That's how sly the enemy is. And what we've done a lot of the church is just pray, just pray, just pray, just pray, just pray. No. What do you have for the word? What does the word say about your situation? Because prayer really is you and I working and cooperating with God according to what he said in his word. If I'm praying against what the word of God has already said, I, I can't. I remember somebody coming and ask you, just pray for my finances. Just pray that I just, I just need money. I just need money. Are you tithing? No. I can't pray, because unless you're doing things God's ways, there's nothing for him to do. It's not like God's mad at you. He's got no access to you. Why? Because what's my access to the, to the Lord? is the Word. What's his access to me? It's the Word, and if I'm going against what he says, and asking, you know, God, please bless, please bless, he can't. It's not that he won't, he can't, and church, we got to wake up to this. We need a revival of the Bible, I'm all for, listen, I'm all for Holy Ghost meetings and you get running and hollering and jumping and kicking and screaming. I love all that. I believe on that. If we had a chandelier, I'd swing from it. <laughs> I love all that. We should get excited about it. Absolutely. But this, if we start being doers of this word, it'll cause that not just excitement to be show, but authentic and genuine. So what do we need? Believers got to read the Bible because the greatest sin in the church is trying to be like God apart from him. So we have ideas what God is like, what God would think, and we never actually went to the Word of God to find out what he thinks about it. Right. Oh, yeah, God thinks this because I saw it on Facebook once. You know, a really famous... Or no, like listen, I've seen a real famous pastor. He put out a real... This is what he said is really good. Did it line up with the Word? No? God bless him. Let's pray for him. But that doesn't line up with Scripture. It doesn't mean you just go condemning everybody else. That's not what I'm saying. But everything in our life has to line up with what he said. God told me to love my wife, period. Well, she's been a real jerk lately. Sitting at this victorious table, you know what Jesus would do? He'd rise from his spot. I told you to love her, but she's not being very nice. She's supposed to submit to my leadership. She's not. That is not my issue. That's not my issue. My issue, what I'm going to be standing before the Lord, he's going to say, Did you love your wife? Yeah, yeah. I, well, you know, on Monday through Tuesday I did. Because <laughs> she was all great from Sunday, but, you know, you know, Wednesday through on, dear Lord, like, what was that? <laughs> it's all going to be back to what did he call me to do according to the word. And John 12, I'm giving you so many verses, but John 12 really talks about in that last day, what are we going to be judged on? This. We'll be judged on this. So what am I doing? This. <laughs> I want to make sure that I go confidently into that day. Why? Because I'm a doer of this word, not just a hearer only. All right. John chapter 8. Anybody else sweating or are we... You good for a little bit more? I guess you can't really say no. But I, I thought I'd be polite and just ask. <laughs> All right, before anybody says anything different, let's read this. John 8, 31 through 32. So again, victorious people, they embrace the truth, and in return, it makes them free. You don't have to try to get set free. What do I do? My job is to embrace the truth, and the truth will make you free. Can, can you see that? Did, it, did you catch that? I don't have to try to make myself free. I embrace the truth, and the truth the word of God has the ability to carry itself out, will make me free. Okay, Jesus said, verse 31, to those Jews who believed on him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach you, you prove to be my true disciples. Then, verse 32, it says, for if you embrace the truth, it will, say it with me, it will. it will. What is the truth gonna do? It's going to release. Say with me, release. Release. Come on again, release. That's a profound word. Release. Release. What is God interested in doing? Releasing his kids. The truth will release you, true freedom, into your lives. Woo! So, what do I gotta do? Spend some time in the truth-giving book, in the freedom book. That's what I gotta do. Now, Truth must be embraced and worked out through divine process of spiritual maturity. Okay, I'm going to get into this a little bit. But truth literally, if you look it up Greek and the Aramaic, it, truth literally means, ready? Reality. Truth means reality. So to embrace the reality of Christ means that it will bring more freedom into my life. This is what we're doing. We're embracing the reality of his life, what he did in his finished work. And what's that going to do? It's going to release more and more freedom into my life. Can you see that? Now let's talk a little bit about truth here for a moment. Embracing the truth that the Lord is ready to reveal himself to those who are ready to fully embrace what he reveals to them. The reason I'm saying this is because revelation of truth, really it releases responsibility for truth. Because once you know truth, you have to now live that out. Now, revelation is rarely given to those who are just curious. You'll never see Jesus reveal truth just to, you, to make you and I smarter or more capable of debating opposing views. <laughs> well, I'm just, doing, I'm just getting in the Word of God so I can debate better on Facebook. I love a good debate on Facebook, but that is not what revelation knowledge is for. Hello. Are we okay? You we seeing this? Okay. <laughs> now again, truth by nature has a transforming power of God to instill freedom in the lives of those who fully embrace it. So here's the point. Freedom exists in a person's life to the degree that he embraces truth from the heart. It's more than just a mental agreement or a concept called truth. It is the heartfelt way to a way of life. <laughs> Why do you live the way you do? Man, the truth of God's word causes me to live this way. Now, thinking independently from God is not freedom. The world today will have tried to get you to think otherwise. But having a thought in my head that he doesn't have in his head is not something I want to attain or have. True freedom is when my thoughts line up with his goodness, line up with his word and who he is, and that really is true freedom in my life. So what I'm doing at this victorious table, I'm actually switching my thinking for his because I don't want anything in my head that he doesn't have in his. Well, how do, is it possible to have God's mind? Yeah, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, you have the mind of Christ. Oh, I sure don't have those type of thoughts. So what we got to do then, if I'm not thinking like him, I have to spend so much time in this word. I'm talking about you taking some serious time in this word until your thoughts automatically start going here. I'm doing this in my, for my own self currently too. Now, I heard a really cool illustration that way. Just think of it this way. If you're having some, you know, negative thinking and negative thoughts and you're not experiencing truth, I want you just, there's a really cool illustration I heard. And it was just about this guy was saying, you know, he was dealing with some, you know, just things in his life. And he said, like, the Lord gave him a picture. He said, I want you to just imagine there is thousands and thousands of bad guys in a city. And you're the only good guy and you're trying to arrest all these bad guys and put all these bad guys away. Impossible, Correct. So the Lord showed him what you need to do now is you need to get more good guys and good guys come from the word. You need to flood the city with good guys, thoughts from the word of God, until the good guys flush out the bad. That's all we're doing. So if you're like, man, my soul is all over the place. Okay, so what do we do? You got to get into this word. Start reading Ephesians. Go through Ephesians. From before the foundation of the world, he loved me. Get that thought in. Oh, and he called me and seized me without fault. Oh, get another good guy in. And what happens, the more and more you start bringing these good guys into a situation or to a city, the bad guys get flushed out. So it's time to start flushing out the bad guys. (laughs) Okay. Now, last on this is that the devil is the enemy of the church and will do everything he can to hinder her from moving and advancing God's kingdom. Yet on the other hand, a believer who is unwilling to grow up in the word Or the truth of God's word and in the spirit is his own hindrance to progress. So we got to get into it. What compromises your victory? Now, again, sitting at this table, what compromises my victory is having an open door policy to my ears and eyes. Now, again, we're talking about victorious, like, right? We're still, you guys still thought we're still okay? Now we're living, we're operating from this place. What compromises the victory that God gave me is allowing or having an open door policy to my mind. What I need is I need a bouncer up in there. And what is he doing? He is there to bounce some of these thoughts right out. So let's just say, for example, let's just use a little illustration. Here you are, you are sitting, and let's say you have an open-door policy. You're sitting in your living room having just a wonderful time in the presence of God, reading His Word, going through His Word, finding out, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Man, that's good, that's good. And all of a sudden you decide, for some strange reason, Facebook just seems to be a desire while you're studying the Word of God. And all of a sudden, you flip it up, and all of a sudden, you start seeing all the things that are going out there. You're hearing about the war in Ukraine, and you're hearing about, you know, what's going on in Ottawa, and you're hearing about all this, gas went up 10 cents? Are you kidding me? All of these things start coming, and because we have an open-door policy, what are we saying? Come on in, anxiety. Oh, depression. I haven't seen you for a while. Come on in here. We'd love to have you. Oh, hey, guilt. Come, come on, come on, come on, come on. So good to have you. Hey, thoughts of sickness. Yeah, man, I've been missing you. Come, yeah, get on in here. It's I got lots of speed, speed, you know, seats on these couches. Come on in, come on in, come on in, lack. Come on in, depression. Come on in. Come, yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. And now we're sitting, and our, mind, our heart is completely cluttered. Well, you know, God, you know, God's word says that I'm the righteousness of God, but oh, here comes shame and guilt. Here, Here's all this stuff. And so what happens, the word of God says, is that a, cl- a, cluttered, a cluttered mind is an unfruitful heart. Amen. Mark chapter 4, you can read it about the, the, the thorns that was in the ground. All of these things come into this realm, come and sitting on this couch with you, and all of a sudden depression's sitting next to you, anxiety's sitting over to the next to you, and you're going... <gasps> it's overwhelming, but you know what the problem is? You have an open door policy. So what do you got to do? Hire that bouncer, however much it costs. You hire him, and you start getting him depression. Get, get out of here, and you start sending those thoughts away. And how do you do that? Through the word of almighty God, pulling down strongholds, pulling down imaginations, pulling down depression, and telling it where to go. You know, my own personal life, I've been working through some of these things in my own self. All of a sudden, thoughts and things that I've never experienced in my entire life, I felt creep up last fall. What's going on? And the Lord had to remind me, protect your heart you have an open door policy, shut the door. And so there's some things, there may be some people, you have to shut that door. Why? Because they're bringing in these anxious thoughts. They're bringing in all this stuff. You have got to shut it up and say, maybe open it up for another time later. But right now, you've got to get your soul intact with the word. How are you going to make it? You have got to have no more soliciting. I'm not buying what you're selling. Don't let, you know, knocking on your door, hey, just here to, would like to talk to you about a few things. No. Come say it with me. No. Hey, what are you doing in there? No. Instead, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm bringing in the good guys into this city, I'm flushing the crap out. Pun intended. <laughs> All right. So now what do I need to do? Finishing off, I'm done here. So if I can put these three things into, my, into practice, number one is this. I am putting an emphasis on the Bible in my life. I have got to get into it. Give God something to work with. Number two is that I'm going to make a quality decision that the Word of God is my absolute truth, and I'm going to be a doer of what it says No matter what. Is it always easy to do? No. But when you make up your mind before he asks you, like this is something Jamie and I already told him regularly, and we still do it. I say say it to myself personally. God, I am your yes man. Before you ever ask me to do anything, the answer is always yes. Have you done that? God hasn't really asked me for much. No, he... He needs your yes before anything else. And not only that, the Lord, even just the course of this this COVID time, has even said, I need you to deepen your yes. Okay. Deepen my yes. You know how many times we sang that song? I remember as a kid, Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. And then at a youth conference, what do you do? You sing it a hundred more times because that's just what you do. And so what do you do? Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. You got it in FY Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes. But <laughs> you know what? I find that to be profound. I say yes before he asks. When Jamie gave that quick, quick little snippet of when we were at this, you know, different ministers conference, the Lord told us, or, you know, we, we, wanted us to give up even up to that point. We even said, Lord, yes. Well, he didn't even tell you what to do. It doesn't matter. Some of you are waiting. Well, you know, I got, I got to first hear what he wants me to do. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, okay. God, once you tell me that, yeah, then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll help out and I'll maybe do something. No, no, no. The answer is always yes. Before he even asked to ask. That's a major difference. And because when you start reading this word and you have an undecided yes, and maybe you're wondering, how come, I'm, how come my life is so up and down? It's because you have it, don't have a solid yes. Amen. So maybe for some of y'all, it just got to be, I need to solidify my yes, no matter what comes my way. I am doing the word of God. No matter what they say, no matter what, you know, my family thinks, no matter what my business thinks, no matter what my bank account says to me, I say yes. You have to talk to that because, listen, I don't know if you realize it or not, but the enemy is so subtle. All those things have voices. Like the thought, what's my family going to (gasps) think? What's my bank account going to say to me? You, You may not be able to say the bank saying it, but it's always talking. Money talks regularly. That's why Jesus said you can't serve one or the other. Why? Because they both talk. Why well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. It's, it's gonna call. Then fine, just stay where you are. But that's the level of what you're gonna see. God, I just want more. Then you know what the, the answer to more is? Deepening your yes. <laughs> okay, I know I'm in the right place this morning. Now, lastly, so I'm putting an emphasis on the word. I'm making an absolute commitment that the word of God is my truth. And then lastly, as I'm training myself in every situation to ask, what does the Word say about this? Situation with married couple or situation with your kid, whatever it is, what does the Word say? What does the Word say? All of a sudden, a sickness tries to attack itself to you. What does the Word say? What is that? All of those things right here, you have got good fellowship with all these powerful men and women of God who saw victory, who went from victory to victory, live victoriously, that is where you and I are called to sit. So don't let religion, don't let other people, no matter where they come from, maybe even good-hearted Christians elsewhere, may go, yeah, but you gotta use some common practical sense to this. This is common practical sense. The Word of God is the most common sense there is. This is wisdom in its highest form. This will never change. My situation will change. So what am I going to do? I'm going to start going off of this because this never changes. Amen? Amen. I'm done. Julian, come on up here. But let's pray. Father, we love you. Can we just recommit, rededicate ourselves to him this morning? Come on, just where you're seated. Father, Father, we love you. We thank you for this table. We thank you for the victory you've given us in Christ Jesus. Jesus, thank you for providing and making a way for me to live in complete victory. Father, I make a commitment. I rededicate myself to you this day. Come on, you don't need an altar call for this. You can just do it where you're at. I rededicate my life. I rededicate my heart. I rededicate my thinking. I rededicate my words. I rededicate my entire being to be a doer of your word, not just a hearer. So, Father, here I am. Holy Ghost, I thank you. You live inside of me. You move inside of me. You speak inside of me. I'm not an orphan. I'm not left on my own. I have you, and if I got you, I'm gonna be just fine. Come on, you gotta speak to some of these things. Listen, I'm, I'm for me. I'm talking to some of those demons that's speaking to me over this last fall. I tell you, I went to some dark spots in myself. What do you gotta do? Just lay there and just take it? Oh God, help! No, you gotta rise up. The Bible says, "Arise and shine." Why? For the glory is risen upon you. What do we do? Speak, speak. Come, on, can we just stand up together? I think we got to start declaring some things. Enough is enough. Those that have been living in pain. Enough. Why cuz God's word says differently? Fear and anxiety. Enough. You got to answer this stuff. Jesus talks to trees. He talked to fevers. He rebuked it. He talked to storms. What did he say? Peace, be still. So what do we got to start doing? We got to start using our voice because as long as the church keeps their mouth shut, the devil will keep going. So I want you right where you're at just to think of whatever is going on in front of you. Some of those bad guys that are in your mind and you tell them in the name of Jesus, shut up. I have this on my heart. People that are having issues sleeping. Let's just speak that. Sleep. Be peaceful, a full, good rest for your sleep tonight in Jesus' name. Come on, just say it. I take my sleep. Come on, if you if you need that, this is your time. You speak to that. Sleepless nights that don't belong to you. The Word of God says that he gives his beloved rest. And who's his beloved? I'm his beloved. So what do I deserve? What belongs to me at this table? Sleep. Oh, God, sleep. So let's just speak to that just for a moment. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just spoke for everyone that needs a good rest and a good sleep. In Jesus' name, tonight is the night for it. We speak to those storms, those anxious thoughts, those anxious ideas or whatever may come this way. We speak peace, be still in Jesus' name. Devil, get out of that room get out of that bedroom. You have no access to this room. We plead the blood of Jesus. No more entrance for you. In Jesus' name. (laughs) Sometimes a good night's sleep is all you need, and it just puts you on to the next day. but let me encourage you. We got to speak. We got to speak. We got to speak. And what are we speaking? We're speaking the truth of God's word. We're not saying it to make it come to pass. We're saying it because it is the truth. What's the lie? Sleepless nights are yours till the day you die. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You know what? I got one more verse. Let me just show you while you're standing. Psalm 119 again, verse 163. He says, I despise every lie and hate every falsehood. So let me encourage you, identify some of these things. Ah, uh, you're just sore? Well, that's, that's just the way it's going to be. I hate every falsehood, every lie. Why? And why do I hate these? Because I am passionate about keeping your word. My life is used for the word of God to manifest and reveal itself through me. That's why I'm here. It's so King Jesus can use this body as a second existence. And if Jesus is using this body, guess what Jesus wants? He wants a good sleep. So what do I going to do tonight? I'm going to sleep like a baby. No, not like a baby. Like a kid that sleeps good. <laughs> Amen.